Hello. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to It's Not an Allegory. Because it's not an allegory. It's life. Exactly. (laughs) I'm Erin. I'm Pam. And we're so excited to be premiering our first episode here in the journal room at Miller College of the Bible. Like, for context, every time this podcast has come out, we've probably just looked at each other and grinned like idiots. I've squealed and flapped my arms around, and I think I've given a shameless plug at every single meal that we've had that people should subscribe to our podcast. We're taking every opportunity here to make people listen to us, apparently. We obviously think that we have some great things to say. We might not. This might be a, a complete disaster. So along those lines, what Pam, what is the purpose of this podcast? What um, are we doing here? Well, first off, I feel like our goal is to ultimately be like cultish or sheologians. Mm. That's, our, that's our goal. That's our shameless plug right there. Go listen to cultish sheologians. Really great if you want to learn how to not start a cult. Actually, or, no, how to... Very edifying. Love cultish. They are amazing. Yeah. Sheologians, wonderful women who love Jesus so much. They're pretty great. They're pretty um, awesome. But aside from that, I think, like, when we were talking about it, we decided it's basically just having good conversations about just um, how we see Jesus in every aspect of our life. and While drinking coffee. While drinking coffee, obviously. We're both drinking yeah. a coffee right now, even though it is approximately 8.33 p.m. Oh, my lantern. When we record this on a Thursday night before classes, like adults, obviously. But it is decaf, so, you know, we're... Kind of being wimps about it. Being responsible. We're responsible wimps. Just so that everyone's aware, we do intend to put these out on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. We will be recording Saturday mornings before brunch because we wanted a reason to get up a little bit earlier on Saturdays because we were getting a little lazy. Just a bit. Uh, just a bit. But for this episode, it'll be Thursday night because life is crazy and we meant to be we meant to record last Saturday, didn't we? And yeah, we just didn't. but it didn't happen. <laughs> um, yeah, so probably lots of talking about art, uh, music, theology. We both love the- theology. We're both being filled with so much knowledge with school and just with good conversations around us with some mm-hmm. amazing people that, as verbal processors, this is probably going to benefit us most. Right. <laughs> it's very edifying. I think that's that's our goal is to be edifying. We hope that we can encourage and exhort exactly. the rest of the whoever is so unfortunate as to have crossed our paths via this <laughs> podcast. Or maybe they're listening because they think it's a dumpster fire. Or you're probably or a train just wreck. friends of ours that just wanted us to shut up about it, so we <laughs> decided to tune in. Whichever camp you're falling into, we hope that you are at least slightly bemused and at most encouraged and edified in your walk with the Lord. We see Jesus in every facet of our lives. We're kind of going to narrow in on a few things, mostly. Like, we're going to talk about coffee. That'll be kind of how we start every episode. So, okay, first let's talk about coffee. What are we drinking here, Pam? Um, We are drinking, I made a Chemex uh, pot this time. I use my Chemex for pretty much everything. Explain Chemex. What's Chemex? Uh, Chemex is mostly, actually, it's centered on the filter. It's a thicker kind of paper in the filter it's cone shape it just makes it a lot smoother to drink because the type of pour over yeah it's a type yeah i guess i should start over it's a pour over coffee um i made (laughs) it so extra i made it with a gooseneck (laughs) kettle if we want to get super into it it's very technical it's very technical um and yet it's still decaf it's still decaf yeah i made decaf tonight (laughs) it's salt spring island decaf so at least i got a smaller kind of Roaster, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's really good. I'm not. It's got a I'm, nice, like, nutty tone yeah, to it. Yeah, ni- a really good nutty tone. I'm, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. So, 
And uh, if you hadn't told me it was decaf, I probably wouldn't have known. Right? Yeah. It's, it's well done. I'm quite impressed. I really like it. So, okay. Why do you drink coffee? We're going we're gonna to get into the okay. real questions here. <laughs> it's a story. You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, so... When I grew up, I was with a bunch of people who were older than me, and they would come over for youth group or come over for who knows why, and they would drink coffee. And all my friends were drinking coffee, and me, being the little duckling that I am, I had to be like the cool kids who were older than me. So I came out to my dad, and I asked him to drink, if I could drink coffee. He knew I was just drinking it to be like my friends, and so he told me that if I don't drink it black like a man, I don't drink it at all. And I looked him in the eye and drank it black. So... Now I drink coffee because it's great. Also, there might be... So I've been accused of having a mild addiction. I think that it's <laughs> overstated, personally. But No, you've been accused of having a full-blown addiction. Not just mild. Like, full-blown, you are dependent on your coffee. But it's... And it's that like... would be fairly accurate, I would, I would say. Okay, so it's maybe that. Why do you drink coffee, Erin? I drink it for the flavor, too, also. I should add, I do love the flavor of coffee. I'm a nerd about coffee a little bit. I love breaking down different tones in coffee, trying new coffees. If I can find a small, little-to-no-people-know-about-the-roaster coffee, I buy it. So that's Mm me. Anyway. Why do I drink coffee? Why do you drink coffee? Um... There's always coffee around my house. All I'm, So I'm the youngest of four, and all my siblings drink coffee. And, of course, I wanted to be cool like them. So I, was, I guess it's a similar, similar line to your story there. Um, I think my first coffee ever was my, my dad had brought home, and don't throw up when I say this, he brought home a double-double from Tim Hortons. <laughs> and he didn't think I'd like it, and I finished it for him. And I liked it, but it was too sweet. Obviously. Okay, that, that's you know, buying okay. you back a little bit. I know, bit. okay. Uh. I was like, okay, that's the first cup of coffee I remember. I, I do recall my sister telling me that, like, all four of us kids were given coffee at, at atrociously young ages. Like, like, as soon as you can drink out of a cup, like, you get a sip of mom or dad's coffee kind of thing. It's like, coffee is just a huge part of my family mm-hmm. culture, I guess. Yeah. We'll, we'll pretend that it's actually a legitimate thing instead of just me... Being addicted. But yeah, when I was, I think I... I yeah, let's not throw me under the bus here. I'm, You're equally as addicted I'm, I'm so as I am. Addicted. So. Um, I, I, I won't hide away from this fact. I think... Oh, when I was like 11 or 12 was when I started bringing coffee to school in a travel mug. Mm-hmm. And I think Same. my teachers regularly commented, like in high school, they're just like, Aaron, I've never seen you without a travel mug. I was like... And, and that's when I'd be like, well, there's that one time that I slept in and I didn't have time to grab coffee. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I always had a coffee with me throughout all of high school. And it got more refined as I went along. I usually, I usually just have cream when I'm at home with a drip. I like a bit of like heavy mm-hmm. whipping cream. And when I'm here, I'm too broke to buy cream. So I, so and I, I, do like, I do like it black. I love it black. It's so good. I make pour over usually. You make a good pour over. I do make a good I will pour say. over. I buy from Travis Johnston. Same actually. You're not from Miller. He's our prof. Great prof. Great coffee roaster. Phenomenal coffee roaster. Phenomenal coffee roaster. Give him a shout out. Yeah. Sponsor question mark? (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway. (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't oppose that. I would not. Yeah. Anyway. Talk to me, Travis. It would be great. So, Aaron, (laughs) describe the perfect cup of coffee then. Oh, perfect cup of coffee. Ooh. This is... Setting? Can we get a little yeah, creative? Yeah, go as 
We're artists. If you can, if you're not driving, um, you can close your eyes and picture with me here. So I'm going to take you to a place that I've been. Oh, we're going to get really extra. It was in Egypt. Ooh. Oh, I know. Crazy. She's traveled. Uh, it was on this island in the south of Egypt, right on the Nile. So, like, and across, there's another island that is a botanical garden. So, like, Ooh. set that picture for you in this lovely, like, there's banana trees and other trees that I don't know what they are. And sitting on the back porch to escape the people, <laughs> which I do regularly. And having... It's just a small cup because you don't want any more than this little shot of Arabic coffee that has been boiled on the stove. Almost, it almost boils with 10% cardamom mm. additive to it. And you just drink a little bit of it because it's like thick like syrup. If you've ever hung out with Syrians or if you ever have the chance to hang out with Syrians or Egyptians, I highly recommend getting a cup of coffee from them. Sitting on that porch, slight breeze whispering through the trees and sipping on a coffee that is that is my ideal that sounds lovely it is lovely it was a good time <laughs> you can't see the glow that's coming off of Aaron's face right I'm now just, but it's legit i'm there i'm there <laughs> all right pam your ideal oh, cup of coffee um i'm not as picky with the setting i will say <laughs> um part of me is sitting there like any, I love going to small coffee shops, Ooh, the super yes. hipster coffee Gotta shops. Gotta come to Saskatoon. I know, yeah, Sask- I know. Saskatoon's got a lot. I'm working on it, man. But, like, small coffee shops, especially in the mountains, that's mm-hmm. my happy place. And, like, coffee shops nobody's ever heard of. Aaron laughs and says that's partially for the Instagram picture, but it's also just because it's fun to support small business and give them a good, like, get a good cup of coffee. Yeah. Though I will quiz them to see if they're, my, my dad will quiz them to see if they know how to make a flat white properly. If they don't, Oof. Get I, I, well, get I just fast. get a latte. Oh, okay, okay. Leave it at that. Uh, it's a three out of five star. You're nicer than me, then. Four out of five star. I know I am. But I don't know. A lot of the time, it's just like a Chemex. My dad roasts coffee, so like a cup of his coffee mm. on my back porch. My dad roasts coffee. coffee. I did not know it's, this. I'm, it's not like I talk about it all the time or anything. I, I, uh, my dad roasts really good coffee, I will say. Um, but yeah, drinking it on the back porch with my dad. Just coffee's a very social thing for me. Hmm. It's kind of the opposite of you, I guess. But I'll make <laughs> yeah. a, I'll make a bit of biscotti. I'll drink it on the back porch. My sociability is after the coffee. That's fair. You know. <laughs> okay, this, this might be the third or fourth cup of coffee. I'm not saying it's my first cup of so- coffee. I'm saying it's my good cup of coffee. And so, yeah. And then I'll just sit with my dad. We'll have some good conversations. He mm. talks about the birds. He loves the birds. So birds we we watch for the robins, and he tries to go and take pictures mm. of them. Mm-hmm. Or I just sit on the back porch, I make some biscotti, and I enjoy Ooh, silence. Biscotti. I make a good biscotti, man. Mm-hmm. This is the fact about me. Okay, so what's the worst cup of coffee, then? Ooh. Uh, oh, shoot. I could just say Tim Hortons and leave it at that. You could. That would be valid. I would support you wholeheartedly. Sorry all the Timmy's sorry. fans, but Hot you're wrong. Take, but <laughs> Tim Hortons coffee... Tastes like it's been filtered through a dirty sock. We're going to get our Canadian citizenship revoked for this. <laughs> I, okay, if, I'm, if I have the misfortune of going to Tim Hortons, I will go for their breakfast. Their breakfast foods are wonderful. That is their redemptive quality to me. Mm-hmm. But uh, I might just get a French vanilla because it's enough creamer to cover yeah. up how bad the coffee is. Once I thought, oh, 
Like when the Tim Hortons dark roast came out, I was all excited. I was like, ooh, I definitely tried it. This will be an acceptable cup of coffee. And I tried it and I actually couldn't finish it. Like I was like, I will not abuse my mouth in this way. <laughs> Thus, and, and like the Mennonite in me is just, and, and the Scotsman, I don't know. I don't throw things out. I don't waste anything. And I threw it out. That's how much it hurt my soul to drink that coffee. I was, I was torn between coffee snobbery and wasting something I paid for, and I chucked it. I will say the only the time I think I drink Tim Hortons is when I'm on the way to the mountains to my favorite hike. We stop at Timmy's. I get a really awful Timmy's dark roast coffee, and I drink it because I need to be functional for my hike. My stomach hates me for it. And so back to the why do we drink coffee? Yeah. It's purely because we can't function without it. That's yeah, so bad. Yeah. Okay, ready for my send help. Yeah, oh. in the form of coffee beans. Yes, please. That's my preferred form. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So is tea an acceptable sort of drink for wait, you? Wait, you didn't go. Or... You're unacceptable cup of coffee. Oh my unacceptable cup. Okay, so you tolerate Tim Hortons apparently. I do. Okay. My unacceptable cup of coffee, I didn't drink. I made it for someone. When I was working in fast food, I was asked to, I'm not kidding, take an extra large coffee and fill it half with cream and then put, we can't type that much in. We had to like add it on the side and then add seven shot, like seven portions of sugar into (gasps) the coffee. There was probably like, so it was like. An, an inch eighth, of coffee. Yeah, yes. there was an inch of coffee in that cup. It was I. It hurt me to That's make it. Unholy. It was pretty awful. This person drank it, and th- that, that person was needs that. some help. Send help for them. Yeah. We don't need to help that person. Yeah, that, that person whoever needs they help. are. If this is if that's you, I'm so sorry. I, I was the one making you? it. I didn't type it in, and I went over to see if it was real because it didn't. Make sure this person I made exists. sure it wasn't a typo Honestly, because that's probably like, an alien who just doesn't know how to order coffee. Yet. Hey, it might be. <laughs> shocked so okay we've talked about the good cup of coffee and the bad cup of coffee is tea or hot chocolate acceptable for you i love tea me too actually and i like hot chocolate Mm -hmm. in like certain scenarios hot chocolate is like that's what i'll have with my small group girls Mm. sometimes and that's nice or like winter comes you know like there's snow outside now and i love winter and it's just, there's something cozy about a good cup of hot chocolate. True. So it's not an acceptable replacement of coffee, but I do, I do love tea. I got really into tea for a while. Oh, I'm so tea. sad that David's Tea is closed down no. in most places around Canada. It actually breaks my heart. It's very sad. But I mean, we could order it. We could be responsible like that. But or we could, But I did find... It saves me money now that it's closed in, down. In Saskatoon, speaking of like Saskatoon for coffee shops, there was also a tea and merchant shop that I found, mm. like just a little local business i was like "Ooh, yeah david's tea closed down i don't need them i can support local businesses because hipster like that heck yeah heck yeah we're so hip. we're so hipster it's kind of probably a problem it was great (laughs) i love that both of us you hate being referred to as a hipster but i I do i do i just can't can't avoid it anymore too many people this is general consensus you know Mm -hmm. why argue with the populace it's true Never mind. That, that's a whole other subject. <laughs> <laughs> Could open up that can of worms or no, no, not. We've got a full podcast. We yeah, can exactly. do we've we got want. things planned. We got things to do. We do. Yeah. Okay. So another thing that we're probably going to talk about in this podcast, and we kind of it was hinted at in our trailer a little bit, but we're 
Erin's pretty sneaky about it, so I don't know. Sneaky, sneaky. She's too smart for most people. She probably caught, you might not caught, but she kind of loves J.R.R. Tolkien and books. I'm so And books is going to be a pretty major emphasis on our podcast. Because that's all we do with our that's, lives. That is all we do with our lives. But, like, we're School-wise about- or otherwise, <laughs> it's, it's like we just read books all the time. <laughs> books are great. I love books. It's true. So... A bit of a discussion then on books, because I feel like that's appropriate, um, seeing as most of our lives are centered around books. Mm. What is your favorite non-secular book? Oh, shoot. Non-secular book? Mm-hmm. It's tough. We read a lot of those. <laughs> that's, like, most of the books I read. Oh, that's so hard. Okay, so non-secular, as in just Christian author or Christian content? Let's go with Christian content. Christian content? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because otherwise so, I'd just be listing Ted Decker books for the next ten years. Um, so. Can I say two? Sure. Because oh, then it'll get some conversation. So I'll go with the first one that you won't expect me to be saying, and I'm going to say it's Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. <laughs> I kind of expected it. I'm not going to oh, lie. Oh, shoot. Dang it. I, <laughs> thought I could, thought I could catch you off guard. And my second one, probably tied with that, would be The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. Which should surprise absolutely no one who has talked with me for more than five minutes. Pretty accurate. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I keep yeah. going to the why after you share. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite book? Non-secular book. Christian content. I have so many, Other man. than the Bible, I obviously. Even, yes. Okay, just to preface, the Bible's my favorite book. I love the Bible a lot. <laughs> and we will talk about the Bible, but we're talking about just their books. Other books. At the moment. I, I think my favorite book changes on it like a an hourly basis. Like, I just think about a book. I'm like, oh, yes, this is my favorite book. I think it's most people's biggest frustration with me is I actually can't settle on favorites. It's impossible for me. There's too much. There's too much. There's too much good. But I think as I was thinking about it, a book that came to my mind a lot um, was probably one of the first books I read when I became became a Christian, which is Explicit Gospel by Matt Chandler. And that book, I think, just really explained to me the gospel. I'd grown up in a Christian home, um, but that book made it pretty clear just straight up what the gospel was and Mm. why it applied to my life, Um, especially as someone who knew the gospel well and it was all brain knowledge, but this was like a direct shot to the heart in how it's actually applicable to my heart and my life. And so that's probably my favorite um, oh man, I, there's so many good books. I, I think also Not a Fan. That's Ooh, one that that's I good. read pretty regularly. Is it by again? That's by Kyle Eidelman. Mm-hmm. Um, my church growing up, I think, did it at least once every two, three years, mm-hmm. just as a youth group thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have clips of it memorized. I own it. Yeah. I just haven't read it. It's just, that's, it's such a good book. My life. I own a lot oh, of books I know, right? that I haven't read. I don't know. I could go on and on about books. I can just go down my bookshelf. I've got a pretty impressive bookshelf, I will say. Yeah. It's it's all over the place. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff on it, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So um what's the first book you remember reading? I remember we talked about this and you gave me a look of don't ask me this question, so I decided to ask it anyway. Oh shoot. Yeah, because I don't remember anything before I was like seven years old. I've hit my head a lot of times in my life, okay? (laughs) It shows. Oh, thanks, man. Appreciate that. You're welcome. Oh, uh, first book I remember reading or being read to. What made you fall in love with books? 
Maybe fall in love with books. Mm. Ooh. Trying not to think of the stage of my life where I went through books at an alarming rate. I'm trying to think what 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 set that off. Um, it might have been Narnia, honestly. I'm having a hard time thinking of anything other than Narnia. I support Narnia. that. Actually, no, it wasn't Narnia. Oh, what a shock! It wasn't even by Lewis. It was Little House on the Prairie. Mm. I remember reading those. I remember my mom reading them to me, and I remember finish. I remember that I like she'd read them to me as I was falling asleep, mm. and I never heard the end of the chapter I heard I, I so for a while it was like I had listened to the first two pages of every chapter of Little House on the Prairie and hadn't and all the other ones mm-hmm. that I don't remember the rest of them and nothing else and then I did actually end up reading it on my own and I really liked them and then I think Narnia came after that I really followed in my sister's footsteps in terms of books like she would read a book and then I'd read it so like the Narnia were mm. both pretty obsessed with that and that's one I've read many 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 times um a series that really got me going into books again. Uh, there was a stage in my life I didn't read much. I read my Bible quite a bit, actually. It was I didn't read many novels, though. was one that a uh, good friend, George, George Budd, who is interning here at Miller, and I've known him forever, but he got me to read uh, the Redwall series. And I oh. read a few books of that. So, like, a bunch of mice mm-hmm. that are knights. They're mice knights. They're mice knights. They're nice they were nice mice knights. <laughs> I can't add that stuff. <laughs> we're such dorks that's fine oh uh, yeah i loved those and i was like oh reading's fun isn't it like i i totally forgot and then it just it was it was all downhill from there in terms of finances <laughs> because i just i've been uh, spending money on books ever since fair enough fair enough yeah i support that personally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. the, the nice thing with like narnia being like a favorite book series. It's such an easy read. Mm-hmm. And they're so, but they're so rich. Like they there's are. so much in them. And like Lewis himself said, like he preferred reading children's books when he was an adult because he could put more into them and mm-hmm. thus he got more out of them. And I found that like, there was a while I, I got really into like heavy theological books. Mm-hmm. So like at 14, I read Confessions of St. Augustine. Not to flex or anything. Not to flex or anything. Like, <laughs> and reading like Tozer and Chesterton and, getting into, like, some really heavy stuff. And I got really discouraged with reading because it was just exhausting. So I could read a little bit, and then I would just put a book down, and I was like, I'm, I'm so sick of reading because it hurt my brain. My my little teenage brain was just yelling for a break. And Narnia was one where it was, like, it was a nice palate cleanser kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I could go and just read it and just enjoy reading for the sake of reading. And it didn't feel like effort. But then eventually, as like as I matured, it was like, okay, I can find a... A good balance, I guess, mm-hmm. of like being able to read heavy books that have a lot of intense stuff and still enjoy reading just for the sake of it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay, so you oh, go. Man. Favorite? I guess not favorite book. First I don't know. Books. First I, book you read. I remember reading like when I was in grade three ish. I've apparently my mom says I've loved reading since the time I could read the alphabet. Like mm. I just I read any book you put in front of me. Um I don't know, but the first time I really enjoy reading, I think, I think that was, okay, this is going to sound so weird. I was in grade four, and I loved Ted Decker. I, <laughs> I he wrote some books for teenagers, so just imagine little 13-year-old, or nine. Wait, okay, how old are you in, in, grade, four? in grade four? You're nine. Nine? Oh, nine. my. 
I was eight or nine, and <laughs> yeah, I walked into that's a little class intense. reading Ted Decker. I was reading his teen books, so I was like yeah, teen four years ahead of me. But nine. still, I the pictures on the front cover scared my friend. She had to flip over the cover because I explained what was going on in the picture, and she was just so uncomfortable with it because she was still reading like. Nothing about this should surprise yeah, anyone. I, nothing. Anybody who knows me is like, absolutely. Pam was reading Ted Decker. I expect nothing less. And it quickly went to Frank Peretti and all that kind of stuff. It was a grand old time. I loved the confused faces as I explained what I was reading to my elementary teachers. They absolutely loved me, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I think that was probably the first one. It was a really good allegory. Um, oh, because was it, it really? It was well, yeah. Was it an allegory? It might not have been. It was no. pretty applicable to yeah. life, I guess. It's not you an know? allegory. No, it's life. No, nothing's exactly. Nothing's, nothing's ever an, an allegory. allegory. Definitely not. <laughs> but there's no such thing as allegories. No, no, none. <laughs> there's no allegories in life. Um, whatsoever. Yeah, I think that was probably the first one that got, I like. I couldn't put down, like mm. from the moment I picked it up. And so, yeah, that was probably most mm-hmm. of it. I read lots of classics. I remember one kid in my class being shook because I finished all my homework early, like halfway through class, picked up a class. I picked up The Three Musketeers, and I read it by the end of the class. Oh, my goodness. And he just kind of sat there and looked at me, and I'm pretty sure I was labeled as a freak from there on out, but I loved books. As opposed to before. As, as opposed to before when I was when in... people thought you were completely normal. Yeah, I was completely normal, obviously. Okay. <laughs> What's your opinion on ebooks? Oh, shoot, you'd asked me about this and you were mm-hmm. like, I don't want to hear the rant yet. Okay, brace yourselves. Actually, you might not have to brace yourselves. Ebooks? Okay, I do have, like, I have Kindle on my phone because it is practical. And it's practical and it's. Mm, it's handy. Okay, yes, it's handy to have a, a phone, on, like a book on your phone, and be able to read anywhere. But, but it's just not the same. Like, like. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I've said you the nicest thing I can it. about ebooks, but you can't, you can't smell it. That's the thing. And also, okay, I love old books. Don't give me new books. All right. If you're gonna give me a book, okay, new books, obviously, if it's never been published before. But if you're gonna give me a book that was written before 2000, you better be giving me an old book because I want. That feeling of like, ah, oh, yes, this book has been alive longer. I mean, it was born 99, but like, this book has been alive longer than me. And this book has seen many things. And its pages have been turned by someone else. And someone else read and poured into this story. And I can tell they enjoyed it because, oh, look, this is where they underlined. Oh, and this is where Pam's going to bristle. Uh, they've underlined. They've written notes. I love reading my mom's old Bible because she's mm-hmm. written in it and stuff like that. And I enjoy interacting with the book in that way. So that's why I'll, I'll, I prefer paper paper books. Also, some study somewhere I'm sure that I've heard about that I'm sure is at, like this very reliable information. Uh, you retain things better when you mm-hmm. read it hard copy. I'll also remember where to find things. So I yeah. love finding quotes in books. And if I didn't underline it or if I didn't write it down. I won't be able to find it later, so I gotta have the hard copy in order to go back later and find the book. So there's my hot take. I don't, yeah, okay, use Kindle if you have to, but if you can buy the hard copy, you invest in the hard copy. It's important. And then you can, you can't fill a shelf with ebooks that looks boring. That's boring. 
Like you want when you when you move into your house, if you already have a house, you want a shelf full of books, and that's like the most important thing. How do you have a study if you have ebooks? That's boring. You just have a bunch of phones with books open. No, you want to be able to sit there with your pipe and your smoking jacket and have books surrounding you. Not actually. I don't encourage smoking. I don't smoke. Erin just smoke. likes the aesthetic just of really like classy. Okay, there's something about books that it just look good on a shelf. They do. You can pull it down, pour through it, you can invest yourself into a hard copy in a way that you just can't. You can learn a lot from people by seeing their bookshelf too. That's my favorite yeah, thing. Like whatever totally fascinating. And you can't flip yeah. through someone's phone through their books. That's yeah, that's uncomfortable for exactly. everybody. No one wants that. <laughs> I get that. I think that's probably my favorite thing. Like I get invited over with my parents to go to places a lot and a lot of the time, my parents are talking to whoever's house we go to, and I just sit and look at all the books and try and figure out who I'm talking to. Like, you can learn a lot. You can also figure out, you know, how much you say when you're in a conversation, too, depending on the conversation. It's a good time. But, I don't know. I, I think the thing for me with ebooks is that I like I love classic novels. I love classics in general. My life goal, aside from becoming more and more like Christ, is to become a pretentious English nerd who reads things like Shakespeare for fun. And I'm already at that part. I just want to become more refined. rounded and yeah. refined in this yeah. knowledge. But let me tell you, <laughs> reading things like Les Mis and not knowing how far you are in the book, like I need a physical benchmark. I need to know how far I've made it and how close I am to the end. Just for the satisfaction level, if nothing else. Mm. Like, I, I need that in my life. Just so you say you did. Exactly. And then people can look at it on my shelf and be like, yo, you read that? And I'm just going to sit there like, yeah, I did. Yeah. What mm-hmm. you going to do? I, it's, it's a way of me being more pretentious than other people. Yeah. It's, it's fun. And old books, that's a great facet for mm-hmm. antique collecting. Exactly. And I'm... A nerd like that. I love antiques. I know I'm... Well, I'm an old woman at heart. You are. You're actually 95. Yeah. Everyone thinks I'm 21, but I'm actually 95. Well, I fooled them all. Yeah. Didn't fool me for a second. Whatever. Anyways. Let's Um, move on here. All right. Why are we doing this podcast? Let's talk about that for a second. Kind of touched on it at the beginning. Yeah. But get a little deeper here. Um, The why is not an allegory. So we kind of already... If you couldn't pick up what we were dripping with sarcasm. Um, in fact, it's not an allegory. So I, I mentioned Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe as as my first book, I guess, in my influential read. And that one, in terms of allegory, uh, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to do so. But I'll give you a little brief overview in terms of theology. It definitely parallels and explains the story of Christ's death and resurrection and how he want to say ransomed us without talking about ransom theology. I dare you. Uh, how? Don't be a heretic. I you don't know what prof's <laughs> listening to you right now. Uh, just the story of the gospel, really. It's, it's, oh, it's beautiful. It really is beautiful. It's a beautiful picture. It helped me understand um, why I wanted to read the Bible more. Like, mm-hmm. I read that and I was like, wait, that sounds familiar. Wait, that's in scripture. Oh, wait, I should read that in scripture. And it pointed me towards mm-hmm. the Bible and towards Christ. And Lewis did a brilliant job, like imagery in it is amazing. Um, so that's why I love allegories. But Tolkien said something wonderful. J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of the infamous Lord of the Rings, which is wonderful. Are probably one of our favorite fictional oh, authors. I could talk about that for so long. 
Uh, I won't, though. I'll, I'll restrain myself. You'll restrain. We'll set up another podcast. Right? Oh, yeah. We'll talk about Lord of the Rings another time. Absolutely, we will. Uh, but J.R.R. Tolkien, he was adamant <clears throat> throughout his life that Lord of the Rings was not an allegory. Even yeah. though you could find, okay, no, 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 Gandalf is not a type of Jesus. Nope. Frodo's not a type of Jesus. And definitely they're not perfect pictures, so I wouldn't encourage you to look at it in this mm-hmm. way. But he said it's not an allegory, it's applicable. Uh, and I... When I heard that, when I read that quote, I was like, are you sure about that, bud? Are you sure? So, as much as I love Tolkien, I will contend with him on this. Aren't allegories supposed to be a little bit applicable, though? Like, you're supposed to see an allegory and say, hey, this is how it parallels life. What would be the point of writing an allegory if it wasn't going to be applicable? Yeah, exactly. What are you allegorizing, if that's a word? We're going to make it a word now. It's a word. I've decided. Okay. (laughs) So, but just like I even, I'm looking at, I think about scripture and just how often Jesus used parables. And I think it's the same sort of idea Mm -hmm. where. Absolutely. It's a story and there's a type. There's different types for different things, but ultimately it's it's something you're supposed to look at and it's mm-hmm. supposed to make what's in real life clearer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just, I, th- I said that Ted Decker was my favorite growing up in the allegory of good and evil. It made it very clear. Now I didn't get it right away as a kid because those are a little bit mature for me, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, but like looking back now, I can just see the stark contrast between what is good in this world and what is evil. And I'm thinking about that and just the terms and how that appalling that was to me as a kid Mm -hmm. and how much that applies to my life now Mm -hmm. in how I see sin. Mm -hmm. I think the best allegories, the ones that are worth reading are the ones where you sit back at the end of the book and you think, wait a second. That's That's life. Life. Wow. It's not an allegory. It's life! <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, okay, we could we could pretend that we agree on Tolkien that, no, it's not an allegory because it is just life, but it is an allegory it is because an allegory. it's life. Yeah, because it's life, exactly. <laughs> if that's not convoluted at all, I don't know. I don't know if we've done a good job at explaining this, yeah. but I don't know. We love, we love Tolkien. Tolkien's great. Mm-hmm. I respect his work a lot, but I do think he was wrong. I think his, his work was allegorical in a sense, and it was applicable. It was applicable. It definitely was applicable. Um, he wrote, he was such a brilliant author. Like, oh my word, I'm now just like Aaron's in awe of Tolkien. But yeah, basically that's why we're doing this podcast is just to talk about life. Um, and we kind of make the joke about J.R. Tolkien and talking about books. We're gonna be teasing him a little bit. Oh yeah, we're gonna be making fun of him through this whole thing probably. But this isn't a podcast about J.R. Tolkien. No, this isn't a podcast about books. This is a podcast about life and the different allegories we find ourselves in. We're both artists. We both adore art. Erin is an amazing visual artist and a musical artist. She's probably going to deny it as soon as I stop talking, so I'm going to talk until she forgets. Um, but she just, she loves that kind of art. I love Pam words. Pam is a brilliant poet. She's great with words. <laughs> I'm just going to steal that and compliment I, that, that's you. That's fair. You deserve it. Br- great with words. Excellent, like, I would say you're a visual artist in a sense mm-hmm. that you can you paint a picture in people's brains with your words. And it's 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 incredibly... It's an incredible gift. I, yeah. You definitely use it for other people's benefit. You know, it's your, your art comes from a very raw and real place, and mine comes from a very awestruck and, I don't know, creation place? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I love nature and things like that, and that's where my visual art comes into play. Yeah. But yours is like, this is what I'm going through. This is mm-hmm. what's hitting me hard. I can 
reach into someone else's life with my words and and help pull them out of a dark place. Exactly. And I think in that way, both of us are telling allegories Mm. through your art. You're you're taking people back to Eden. You're just... That's like the highest phrase. Whereas I'm... I'm looking at people where they're at and just like, this is where we're at and this is a problem. And in that way, we're both telling allegories. But ultimately, our goal is to show that the rest of the allegory is there is hope and there's life. And the rest of life. It's not an allegory. It's not an allegory. allegory. It's life. (laughs) And so, like, yeah, and we love doing Mm. that in everything we do, whether it be Mm -hmm. in the books we read or the art we see or the music we listen to Mm. or the stories that we hear or Mm -hmm. observe in the street. I love people watching, so I'll come back and just talk about the people I see. And just ultimately, we love just how this all points back to Christ. Mm -hmm. And having Christ be, like, not only just pointing mm-hmm. to Christ, but have him be the source of our art. Mm-hmm. So something I've noticed about the art world is it is a dark, dark place. The secular art world. Um, artists are looking for a source. They're looking for a, a spring point, a, mm-hmm. a springboard, I guess, for their art. And they sink deeper and deeper into themselves. And they only come up with more depravity. Yeah. And it's so hopeless. It's... It's appalling. It gets worse and worse all the time. And and it and you see these atrocities being done in the name of art. And people don't say anything against it because it's art. And as soon as you say, no, I'm an artist. Oh, well, then everything's justified. Mm-hmm. And I strongly disagree. That is wrong. Yeah. That is just appalling. And that's not... Art is not an excuse to be a jerk. Oh. Well, oh, shoot. <laughs> Apparently I'm doing this wrong. <laughs> excuse to, to blaspheme. Okay, that's fair. You're I'm not like, doing that. <laughs> I'm more than a jerk. I was putting, yeah, okay. sugarcoating that to blaspheme and to ign- deny God mm-hmm. and ignore Him and think that you yourself have some kind of right to tell people not only tell people what to do, but to try and influence them and to draw them away from God. That is definitely the arrogance of the art world. Is thinking, oh, yeah. you're an influencer. I hate that word so much. It's become so stupid. It's like you think that you have some sort of power over people yeah. through your art. That's just wrong. That's, mm-hmm. You don't hold that power. You don't deserve that power. That is not yours. Your, the glory is not for you. And that's not what artists should be striving yeah. for. And, and the, the Christian art world in, where I've grown up, uh, it's getting better now. And I, I love my church for it. They've definitely uh, supported me as an artist. But I, de- I think in the evangelical community, there's definitely this this awkwardness around artists. They don't quite know what to do with us. Because, because there's so much darkness in the secular art world, it's like, well, how do we use this for God? How do we use this for the, well, I mean, we use music in church and I mean, everyone has their different opinions on music, <laughs> right? But how do you have artists express themselves like with you and your poetry? It's, it's raw, it's real, but it gives glory to God. Mm-hmm. But how do you use that in church? With me, it's like, okay, you're a painter. How can I use you for mm-hmm. ministry? And there's so many questions around it. No one really knows what to do with artists because they're weird and they, they think weirdly. And, 100%. That's oh, we're, us. We're a bunch of weird. We're, we're, of, pretty we're weird. a bunch of dorks. Oh, Amen. my goodness. But yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think oh, that's going to be a big part of this podcast is us just looking at art, looking at books, looking mm. at just things around us and ultimately just trying to bring it back to God. Um, another thing is that this is a way that we both see that we can be influencers i hate that i just used that word but maybe not influencers but encouragers encouragers and this is is a way that we as women can be able to express in a way that's we think glorifies god Mm. and hopefully ultimately i pray that we can use this to point people to christ and Mm. people can hear the different topics we we discuss and say wow 
Isn't God amazing? Hmm. Look at life and all the gifts he's given us through stories, through art, through literature, through events. Who knows what we'll talk about? We'll probably, even through us being goofs, like just, which will happen. That's most of the time. (laughs) But yeah, we can ultimately take this back to God and glorify him through it. And you know, we'll probably be all over the place. This podcast has been all over the place and it's been one episode, but like ultimately that's, I think our goal is Mm. we're, trying we're looking at a bunch of things around us that influence us pretty intensely Mm. and we want to point back to christ where do we see jesus in every facet of our lives that's that's it Mm -hmm. wow it's our purpose we just for almost 40 minutes talked about what we said in a minute at the beginning (laughs) look at us go so yeah if you were lost there at all that's hopefully what you got out of this at all. Where do we see Jesus in every facet of our lives? We'll even try and talk about him in coffee in the midst of our coffee addiction. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's not an addiction, it's an appreciation. That's my motto. <laughs> Everybody's heard me say it. Everybody rolls their eyes at me when I say it. Everybody's wrong, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Fantastic. Anyway. Fantastic. Any closing remarks, any quotes that would be beneficial to us? Um... You know, I used to be a quote person. I had a quote for everything. And then I just kind of lost it unless it, I, I have a million Taylor Swift quotes in my head. Oh, don't oddly you dare enough, go that's there. not edifying. Oddly enough. Yeah. Go figure. Who knew? Um, I have a thought, a quote. Oh, from theology of worship mm-hmm. class. What Lauren was talking about with worship. I was just thinking of that because, like, I don't know, kind of tying back to worship. Mm-hmm. We're talking about worshiping God through art. Um, what was the quote? Oh, he, he wrote for what God required his grace provided. Yeah. And I think, well, God requires a lot, right? He's so holy and so great and so magnificent and his grace has provided us with, with words Mm -hmm. to glorify him as part of it. Obviously there's so much more to to tell allegories, to, to tell allegories and to see how, the changing seasons and the se- and leaves that fall and every every flower that blooms can point to him and objectively glorify him and mm-hmm. how we also want to tell that objective truth through that, subjective allegories through subjective allegories boom there it is uh, so with that we'll wrap up yeah. this has been a great time that flew by uh, next week join us please. We will be talking about compassion and empathy. Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be time. time. So, yeah, if you're so yeah, if you're wanting to learn more about that, if you were at, at least bemused by our shenanigans, I would encourage you to join us next week on It's Not an Allegory because it's like <laughs>